stop Googling and start listening for the love of wellness. With over 50 years in women's wellness, hosts Sam Leeson and Laurel Crossley, along with a weekly special guest, will explore gaps and issues within the women's wellness industry. If you're passionate about topics affecting women's health, such as sleep, grief, body image, and much more, then please stay tuned. Have you considered retirement? Are you thinking of retiring? Are you thinking you'd like to create a lifestyle and you're not sure how to get that lifestyle, one that's filled with travel instead of working 24-7, 365? Well, on today's episode, Natalie Jameson will be talking to us about one of her initiatives entitled Women and Wealth. And she's going to teach us a few simple things that are going to support our journey to wealth. Today's episode is brought to you by littlewellnesscompany.ca. Welcome, everyone. It is my special, special pleasure to be able to introduce you to Natalie today. And Natalie is going to spend some time with us today talking about financial well-being. Because when we talk about health and wellness for women and those assigned female at birth, we really need to take into consider our financial health as well. So Natalie, welcome. We are grateful that you're joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm excited for this talk. Mm-hmm. I wish that I had some bags of money hanging around me, <laughs> like as a set decoration or something like that. But as you can see, I don't have that. So Natalie, let's get down to business. What do women need to consider for building their wealth from a young age? Um, so I would say the number one key to building wealth is financial literacy. And so the younger you can be, when you start to learn financial literacy, the better off you'll be. Wealth only grows if you know how to grow it. So think about it. If you're going to plant a garden, you know, a vegetable garden in your backyard, and you know nothing about soil or how much sunlight is required or water is required and you just plant those little carrot seeds will they ever grow if you put them in total shade right like you need to have some kind of base knowledge and i think um just like planting a vegetable garden is something you could teach even a six-year-old there's financial literacy that you can Mm -hmm. teach a six-year-old a 10-year-old a 12-year-old and so the younger you are when you start building those financial literacy financial literacy skills, the better off you'll be to making your money grow. I also think financial literacy is one of those life skills that just isn't being taught in school properly. Mm -hmm. I know the um, curriculum is trying to kind of coordinate or introduce financial literacy in math class or Um, other classes, but I don't, there isn't a specific course that is taught. And yet, if you, it's kind of like learning how to swim. I mean, we live in a province where there's lots of lakes and pools in people's backyards. And if you don't teach your kid how to swim, what's going to happen? They may drown. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you don't teach young kids and young adults how to manage money from a young age, guess what? They're going to drown in debt. And that's what we see. We see a lot of adults drowning in debt because they were never taught financial literacy. So if you want to start from a young age and you want to build a lot of wealth, get the financial literacy. So where do you get it? From your parents, 
perhaps from your teachers. There's lots of online resources from your financial advisor. I mean, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one courses with my clients' kids, and that's just an extra service I give my clients because I know that it's just not really taught. And I'm sorry, I've seen what's out there on YouTube, influencers that talk about how to make money. You know what? They're not registered or licensed professionals. They're influencers. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Nor is there any consequence if they give you bad advice and you make a wrong financial move. You can't go back to that YouTuber and say, well, I want to sue you for your bad advice, you know. So can I ask a question that's, um, what is financial literacy when you're talking about that? Because I think everybody has a different definition. What, yeah, for what sure. are the so elements your, that you think? Well, what's yours, first of all? Nil? No. <laughs> Trial and error. Well, what's, your, what's your definition? Um, I think it's understanding cash flow. Okay. But personally, your personal yep. cash flow. Yeah. Sam, what, I, what do you understand it to be? I, I think it probably pretty similar to what Laurel said, but but understanding what money can do, um, mm -hmm. I think is a big part of it. So, you know, money can give me shelter, money can give me food, but how do it, it can give me entertainment and all these other things, but how do I take what amount of money I have and have it accomplish all of those goals? I, I think that that's how I would interpret. I don't know if that's right. I don't know if I'm off the mark, but. No, you're both completely correct. When you talk about it as a tool, money is just a tool. Mm -hmm. It's a tool that helps you do other things in life, mm -hmm. like go on vacation, pay for your kid's education, buy a car get your hair done, right? Um, sometimes it's something that helps care for your aging parents, right? Like money's just a tool. How do you use that tool? So think of it like a Swiss knife, a Swiss army knife. It can do multiple things, but if nobody's ever shown you what a Swiss army knife can do, you're like, right. you might be afraid of it. You might think the only thing this will do is cut me. Right? I think I think that that's a pretty accurate statement because I think that there are an incredible number of people because they're financially illiterate, if we're going to use that term, yep. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they are therefore afraid of it and afraid of money. But money can be fun because guess what? There's a wine bottle opener on a Swiss army knife. <laughs> you know? Why don't I have a Swiss army knife? <laughs> Um, but Laurel's also correct because, you know, to under, to build financial literacy, step one is understand what is the value of a dollar. So, you know, the first thing we teach young teenagers is go get a job, see how long it takes you to earn $50. Oh, and you're only collecting $15 an hour. How many hours of work yeah. <laughs> standing at that cashier? checkout desk or, you know, stocking shelves or whatever it is your first part-time job is, maybe it's McDonald's even, um, how many hours does that require to build $50? Mm -hmm. And then you realize, oh, my cell phone costs me $50 a month, right? So it's understanding the value of money. Then it goes to what Laurel said is understanding cash flow. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, once I have money and I understand how hard I had to work to get that $50, what do I do with it? How is it coming in the door and how is it exiting out mm-hmm. of my pocket? And then we get to what you're talking about, Sam, which is, okay, now I've acquired a certain amount of money. What can it actually do for my life? How can mm-hmm. it enhance my life? And that's where you really need to build an understanding of what is debt? What is a credit card? What is a mortgage? How do I pay it off? Do I buy a car? Do I lease a car? Can I invest my money? How should I invest it? Is it a GIC? Is it a stock? Is it a mutual fund? So there's so many complexities to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But you got to start somewhere. And I'd say number one is the value of a dollar. And how many kids don't understand what the value of a dollar is? Yeah. You know, that actually for me to spend a dollar, I have to earn two dollars. Because if I'm a high income earner at a 50% tax bracket in Ontario, I have to earn two so that I now have after tax one dollar to spend. That's true. That's really true. Wow. Anyway. I I think that's kind of where you start. And I think that's why I value education so much and why I'm delighted to participate in this conversation today, because I think it's about educating and putting out correct information. I I have to say, I agree. And, and, and again, we're grateful you're here to educate us so that we can educate our kids. (laughs) Um, So I've heard that you talk a little bit about a wallet review. It's, mm-hmm. it's been it's been told. And so I want to know why reviewing what's in your wallet um, is an indicator of how well you're doing financially. So that's such an interesting question. And I'm actually going to answer it with another question. Oh. I'm going to ask you, why are you attracted to homes that are profiled in decor magazines? If you ever picked up a really nice decor magazine, you're like, oh, that house is to die for. That's the bedroom I want, or that's the bathroom I want, or the, the kitchen is amazing. Yes. Why is it you're attracted to that? It's clean. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. I was going to say, it's sparse. It doesn't have clutter. <laughs> it's perfectly whoosh. And I it bet you it smells stained. good. Uh, yes. So it is staged, it is free of clutter, and it allows you to just see the beauty in what it is, right? And we all know that in real life, we might not have a home that looks like HGTV. Hmm. Really? (laughs) Well, yours might, I'm not sure. But we all have a junk drawer. We all, (laughs) you know, we all have a linen closet that is so not organized. So this is why when you look in your wallet, if you have this wallet that is bulging with tons of receipts um, with all your loyalty cards that you ever owned with, um, you know, business cards of people you've forgotten, you're like, who the heck was Mary? (laughs) And I've got her business card in my wallet. Like what this tells me, if I see someone who has a wallet like that, It tells me that you're not in control of your finances. You're not able to keep track of your money. And you're probably the type of person who's super anxious to even discuss money. 
it is like a source of anxiety. And so you'd rather not deal with it. And the problem is that when you have financial clutter, you can't actually focus on how to build the money, how to build the wealth. It's sort of like I can't cook in my kitchen. If my kitchen is filled with dirty dishes and pots and pans that haven't been cleaned in a week, and you're like, how am I supposed to operate in this kitchen? So if your wallet is a complete mess, it's an indication that so is your financial life. And you're either afraid to address it or anxious about it, and um, you're just not going to be able to focus on what should I be doing with my money because there's too much clutter. I'm looking at my wallet, which is over there on the couch, and I'm like, I'm mentally going through <laughs> what's there. I recall you speaking at an event where you talked about credit cards mm-hmm. as tidying in your wallet. Is that still a thing? Because I've always got that in my head. How many credit cards doth one needeth in thy walleteth? That's old English. <laughs> I've got like a few tips about how to eliminate that financial clutter. And one of them is limiting the number of credit cards you have down to only two. Nobody would ever need more than two. If you're tracking your money, if you have a budget, if you're not overspending and you're not like, you know, addicted to spending, (laughs) there's no need to have more than two credit cards. So you should have one credit card that is, so here's why two. If you own a business, You may want one card for personal expenses, one card for business expenses, so that they're tracked very clearly and there's no confusion what that expense was for, right? If you don't own your own business, you still might want two credit cards. One that is your main credit card you use for everything and the other as your backup card in case the first one gets compromised, which from time to time does happen. You know, the last thing you want to do is find yourself in Florida on vacation and, oh, crap, my visa's no longer working. Well, thank God I have the Amex or the MasterCard as a backup, right? You might also want to use two credit cards for two separate purposes. Like one credit card is what I do, everything, groceries, gas, you know, all my automatic bills. And the second credit card might only be for online purchases, Because a lot of times online purchases could also be where your credit card gets compromised. And or if you have an issue with spending, at least you can track. Oh, those were all my online purchases. Oh, look how much went to Amazon this month, you know. But if it's it's all jumbled in one statement, one credit card, it's hard to see the forest for the trees. You know what I mean? Again, it's about that financial clutter, you don't clearly see what's what. Right. Therefore, you're not tracking your money. Fair enough. Yeah, wow. Okay. The compromising okay. thing is big these days. I mean, in the last few years, it's become more and more prevalent, yeah. right? So that, that makes sense that you'd want to make sure that you protect yourself. The other thing is credit cards all have loyalty points of some kind, whether it's like a cashback or air miles or some kind of loyalty. So if you have like six credit cards, you're not maximizing those loyalty points. They're kind of, I have a few points here, a few points there, right? But if, if you're 
honing in and focusing on, I use one credit card for all my main stuff, then you're also going to accumulate those loyalty points much quicker. Right. So free movements, free flights, free whatever, which again, money is a tool to enhance your life. If you build those air mile points, you get to go to Florida sooner. (laughs) Fair enough. Wow. Wow. All right. Let's flip from what's in your wallet kind of conversation to investing. Can can I just go back though to what's yes, in you your can. wallet? So my recommendation is do a weekly cleanup of your wallet. At the end of the week, on the weekend, clean it up, put it away. It's clean. If you can't do weekly, do monthly at least. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. A lot of us keep receipts in our wallet or in our purse. When I say wallet cleanup, it could just be purse cleanup too. (laughs) But a lot of us keep receipts because we may need them for tax reasons, right? At the end of the week, pull out all those receipts, the ones you need to keep for taxes. I don't care what your filing system is. I'll tell you honestly, mine is a shoebox. I pull everything out of my wallet or out of my purse and I dump the ones I need to keep for tax reasons in the shoebox. And at the end of the year, when it's tax season, I dump the shoebox on my dining room table and I sort them by category, gas receipts, restaurant receipts, right? You don't have to have a complicated filing system. You just need to know this needs to be kept for taxes and have a secure place where all those receipts go, but they shouldn't be in your wallet. That makes sense. So that's just my tip on how to clean it out (laughs) and what to do with those receipts you actually do need to keep. Because some of them you do, right? Yeah, you do. You do. So we have about five minutes left to to talk about investing. So is it ever too late to invest? And where do you start? I'm going to say no, it's never too late. (laughs) And here's why. Um, Even, you know, people may think they're too old, like I'm 60 years old. Why should I start investing now? The thing is, what is longevity in Canada right now for a 60 year old woman who's healthy today? She's very likely to make it to age 90, maybe even age 100. So we're talking there's still another three or four decades she could live. Why wouldn't you invest for the next three decades? Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's never it's never too late. I mean, OK, maybe if you're 95, you're getting a little old. But when you're you know, I, I think about I heard a conversation about, oh, my gosh, I can't think of her name, but it was the third act. So the first act of a, of a woman's life is dedicated to, you know, going to school and rearing your children. Second act is getting invested in the career. But people neglect the third act. That's exactly what you're talking about. That that last trimester, Sam there, the last trimester of life. <laughs> yes. You know, that there is 30 to 40 years. So not only is it about investing, it's also about what can you do with your investments? What are some of the things that you couldn't do in the first, you know, two-thirds of your life that now you have time to do? Mm-hmm. But we often just sort of shut the door and say, oh, yeah, well, we're old now, so forget it. It's it's too late. So not only is it investing, it's it's also like, now, what do you want to do with your investments? Like, what can you do? So, all right, Natalie, how old's your oldest client? Am I allowed to ask that? <laughs> Age 100. 
Wow. And what I've actually had three clients reach over age 100 already in my career. So it's, it's happening more and more. And when did they start investing? A lot of them didn't start until they were in their 50s, I'd say. Because if, if you're 100 today, I mean, that's the generation that you weren't even allowed to get a credit card or open a bank account without your husband's approval or your father's signature, right? I mean, we've come a long way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we have. We still have a way to go, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it, there's so much you can do. But um, I will say the best place to start, whether you're um, 18 years old or, or you're 60 years old, doesn't matter. The best place to start is with a tax-free savings account, or TFSA for short. So this is a type of account that the government introduced in 2009, and I call it my BFF. It's my best financial friend. Of course you do. <laughs> the, the thing is that a TFSA um, was named tax-free savings account. I think the government named it that way on purpose to kind of discourage people from using it, thinking it's just a savings account. Oh, what's the point of doing that? I'm only going to earn like a piddly amount of interest. It really should have been named tax-free investment account because you can do absolutely anything you want with your TFSA. You can buy growth stocks. You can earn dividends. You can buy GICs. You can own bonds. You can do anything you want with that account. And all of the earnings are tax-free forever and ever and ever till your dying breath. So you can take it out and not be penalized at tax time then? Correct. So if you had put $10,000 in a TFSA when you were, you know, 20 years old, and now you're 60 years old and you have 100000 in there, you can pull out $100,000 and never declare a penny of it to Revenue Canada. Hmm. As opposed to the RRSP, which we've probably all heard about, which is a registered uh, retirement savings plan. The RSP is just a tax deferral program. So don't pay the tax today, pay the tax when you're retired, but you're still going to pay the tax. Right. Whereas tax free is tax free. And um, on that note, I have to tell you, we have to wrap up the show. So you have to come back. Because I'll come back, but listen, TFSA, BFF, that's all you need to know. Okay. We have acronyms now. We'll put those in the show notes, Sam. <laughs> so how can people get in touch with you if they want more F, more F, not more F, more information on BFF? So I'm probably going to say the best place is to direct you to my website, which is www.jameson.ca. And Jameson is spelt J A. M-I-S-O-N dot C-A. Um, because on the website would be some information about TFSAs, would be some educational financial literacy resources, and also all my contact information like LinkedIn, email, Twitter, whatever, phone number. Yeah. Love that. 
I want to take a moment and just thank you so much. I have been taking notes. I've been making mental notes. I've been hoping that my wife's listening through the door so that we have something we can talk about a little bit later. You have really opened our eyes a lot today. We really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Boobs, Bods, and Brains podcast. If you would like to learn more about us or our past episodes, then check us out on Instagram. Click the link in our bio to visit our website to learn more about sponsorship opportunities. We are always excited to have you offer different show topic ideas. If you have a suggestion, reach out via Instagram or our website. And as always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Boobs, Bods, and Brains podcast and invite all of the women you know.